When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Dog. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Veronica, you were saying? Well, you are both really uh, active and informed and educated people on com- on 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 that's, politics. That's the act. Yeah, that's the, it's, it's, that's the stage. It's working. I don't know what to tell you. It works. Um, well, I moved to this country fully overwhelmed by politics and then... This system seems to me one of the most complicated ones in the world. I don't know the entire history of Democrats, Republicans. Like, I know basic stuff, of course, because I've been here for 12 years and I'm a voter. But uh, a lot of it seems so confusing to me, especially right now. So I'm happy that we're having this episode with you two (laughs) in this fucking crazy week. (laughs) I'm always here, but okay. Well... Can I appreciate you this time? <laughs> For fucking once. <laughs> um, so, uh, what do you? What are your questions? Ha- shoot, shoot, and we'll have a like a, a pop quiz. I'm just so confused. <laughs> I'm so confused about everything. That should be. They should have charts when you learn the American system of government instead of like, instead of like. The three branches of government, um, legislature, the legislative, the executive, and the judicial, they should start with step one, confusion. What are you, like, step one, um, you're a voter. Let's start there. And then from then on, like, what can you do by being a a voter? What's in your power? Step one, you're a voter. there will be various forces that kind of anonymously try to stop you from voting. Yeah, frankly, you... that's what I mean. Invisibles. The invisible forces are um, depend on where the depend on where you live. The the different forces that are enacted. There's blanket federal. There's blanket federal government forces that are uh-huh. all over, and then there's like individualized forces within your own locality that will try to get you to stop from voting um, stop from voting wow yeah stop you from voting the long lines they have uh that's the that's the latest tactic is uh just like they're just like oh we don't want that district to be counted so just like zap them with a zap them with a five-hour line on the, on the voting day mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it's almost it's almost planned like that. It seems like everything I, I find like I so I came from Venezuela and I already saw all the little tricks. Like I've I've experienced so many so much slime like from government systems and when I see something like that like there are five hour line delays in the middle of a pandemic I'm like of course this is all on purpose so everything feels on purpose everything feels like there's a totalitarianism I don't know how to say the word but you know what I'm saying right yeah How do you guys uh, feel as Americans? Is this something you've seen in your lifetimes? Like, yes. is this unheard of or like? Well, to me, I don't know if James is going to feel the same way, but it's sort of nice to, like, I grew up with a very politically active family. My um, first volunteer for a campaign was when I was 13 years old. So I've been like pretty involved in like lefty politics for my whole life. And so is my family. But in Minnesota? Um, Yeah, Minneapolis. I volunteered for Wellstone. And my aunt oh, my aunt was Wellstone. Wellstone was the best. He, my aunt worked for Wellstone as his personal assistant for many years. And um my mom was a like total like feminist protest. Like my mom was the original like, you know, uppity white feminist divorcee doing weird like like takeovers of the park with like performance performance artists and drag queens and stuff like that. So this is where I, so it's nice that the rest, so I've always felt and known to my core that the GOP and the right wing of this like government are not interested in governing. I've always felt and known that it's, it's not about governing, it's about stopping the transfer of power and continuously consolidating power so that more people have the money and the power so that it's more of a totalitarian government. And that's like, where, that's like what I was steeped in. So it's nice that I feel like there's kind of more awareness of that in the ether because I feel like I'm like, yes, I love being right. <laughs> this is a feeling I have as a minority in the country. Mm, people waking good. up, it's kind of like, oh, cool, I was right. It, I was being, um, there was a lot of gaslighting, At UCB, which is not anyone in the system specifically, just like teams or like team members, just random people, you know, like whatever. Teams of whites. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's scary. It was teaming with whites. I lived it. I lived through it. Um, it was crazy. Like, yeah, so now I feel like, oh, okay, glad I'm not the, bra the angry brown woman. Everyone is like now like admitting it and talking about it. Versus mm. just me being alone, like, I feel like it's crazy. Um, so that feels kind of nice. Uh, how about how about you, James? Like, how how was your political upbringing? Like, did you learn much about politics growing up? Or oh yeah, but I used to be a bad guy. I was I was like a young, <laughs> I was like a teenage conservative, and I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh and all the bad guys. And it was being in be college and sort of like talking to people and losing arguments and like uh more than anything become like being gay and like going through a uh like basically being like stabbing myself in the brain for several years and like a like having my heart ripped out of my body and like sliced up and then like shoved back in um where i was like oh i can't 
I, I could have, I mean, I could have, if I had been less lucky and blessed, I could have been some kind of like awful conservative gay, I guess. But also, um, I was always into comedy and theater and the arts and movies and stuff. And those people were mostly leftists. And in, and in my co- in my college, there was like the group of people that were like the radio station and the newspaper that were not even, they were like beyond Democrats. They were like radical, they were like radical communists and punk rock uh, Green Party type people yeah. in like, this is like the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, right before 9-11 and um so like i sort of like um i sort of like flipped over that's incredible that's so fascinating i i flipped over yeah in my in my early 20s uh just from having friends and realizing like these people are right and they're cool and everything i thought was like everything I thought was what I believed in was like, no, actually the people on the left are doing that better. And without like hate. Where did you believe where did you like, so your beliefs came from, from high school. You're just like your, your hometown or your parents. You were like an Alex P. Keaton. (laughs) Does he turn, does he turn, does he turn liberal? No, but that should be a fucking reboot. (laughs) The The awakening of Alex P. Keaton. <laughs> yeah, Alex P. Keaton was a funny written character. I remember, like, sort of, re- like that was like hilarious to me as a kid. But like, were your parents lefties? No, no, no. Did they care uh, about politics? Or oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't really have a relationship with my dad for that reason. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. Yeah. So I, 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 do you want a relationship with my dad? He is. <laughs> Huge fan. Careful what you're asking for. <laughs> Huge fan. A- anything will help. He will send you so many trinkets. And then he'll I ask saw... about them y- years later. The other thing I saw was like when I came around to the left, it was not sort of like the way it usually happens, I guess, in the, the where it's like a moderate Republican homeowner slowly realizes that like maybe a moderate Democrat. I was like full on around the other side where I was like, oh, I'm just completely wrong. You flipped. I flipped. It was like, and I, I had been like, "Well, Bill Clinton, sh- you know, valid points about anti-imperialism and anti-war points." Where it's like, Bill Clinton started this war and shot missiles at this country and stuff. Where I'm like, "Yeah, but the better opposition to that is actually from the left than from the right." <laughs> right. Um, the I think you know, sort of the I, 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 I the right-wing anti-war movements are kind of like useful temporarily sometimes but uh not a good uh overall ideology wow that's so i see yeah so uh veronica do you have any specific questions um no i guess we i mean we can continue i just coming from from venezuela it's so it's fascinating to me i don't i don't i was just tweeting i don't subscribe to any parties because i feel like they're all gonna ask me to cater (laughs) to just I'm not like I don't feel included in any of the like none of the ideologies that you could say I'm a leftist or a right wing yeah. or whatever. I don't feel like I'm included in yeah in any of any of to, the current political system. So to complicate things in the old days uh, in the 1800s, the Republicans were the left wing party and the Democrats were yeah, the right wing party, and it flipped around 1900 or something. Wow. Like I flipped. The parties themselves flipped. Yes. Um, in like 1900, and so the 
left-wing party, the well, the center-left party used to be the like center-right party or even extreme-right party. Like the Democrats were hella racist, like super like anti um, abolition, right? Yes, uh, there were some anti-slavery Democrats, but that's basically what caused the fracture of the Democratic Party right before the Civil yeah. War. So, yeah, that so that's something I'm curious about, because uh, Venezuela was two political parties as well. We had oh, we have a new guest in the studio. Oh. It's a cat, and he does not want to be here, but Who are these life forms? He can, that's funny that he can look at the different boxes on the screen. Yeah, he's really advanced. <laughs> advanced he's actually, cat. he's an algorithm I created. <laughs> that's that. Yeah, I feel like, like I have a tail. Cats, cats have <laughs> like an algorithm. We don't know what the like, agenda is. Wait, it looks like I have a tail. Hold on. Oh, he's fucking grooming it. Gone. Cats are like for just one second. Yeah. Um, oh, there it is. Yeah. So there's there's a two political party kind of deal, and they were flipping power back and forth. And a lot of people were like, I remember growing up, my parents or grandparents would identify strongly with one or the other, uh, and they all seem the same. Of, of the uh, same to me. And so uh, Chavez, when he came to power, he just came. Everyone was sick of that. Uh, a lot of there was a lot of discontent with both sides, so he was able to rise, uh, kind of like Trump. He reminds me of Trump. Uh, uh, he, he was played, outside the two party establishment. Yeah, he did a the he did like an independent party that turned into like what has all of the control of Venezuela right now. Um, and he was a military guy, ex military who 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 was poor. And his speech was very appealing to populism. You know, it's very appealing to a lot of people who were like... Left-wing populism. Hit, yeah, he hit a wound, much like Trump did uh, for a lot of Americans, even though it's like radically different speech. But it's still like the same method of like uh, hate speech and hitting like a wound and, and upsetting that. Just like rising that, making that, yes, stirring the pot with something he already had identified. and then. When he came to power, oh, those two parties went to hell. They were really prosecuted, and then it turned into this third other thing. So when Trump came to power, I, I just can't stop. Every time something happens, I, I can't stop like going back to Venezuela, even though the speech is so different, right? Because this is like ultra-right, and we came from like the, the third-world socialism, which is very different from the first-world socialism. Uh, so now I'm like, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know who has our best interests at, at heart. And I have a lot of liberal friends who are Democrats or, or left of, you know, leftists. Left of Democrat. Left of thinking. Left think. Left of center, as Suzanne Vega would say. How would you yeah. say, how would you say in Spanish? Uh, it's obviously chavismo. Ah, izquierdista. Yes, izquierdista. De la izquierda. Oh, izquierdista. It sounds uh, like scary. It is. It is. <laughs> in, it is Venezuela, in, in Venezuela, it is because it's different. When you're a socialist person in the in the first world, it's an entirely different world than in the third world. Like mm. uh, we're talking to content. Like it's just not the same. It's like we're chipping away at a system from a different angle. 
right? Yeah. With socialism and the socialist ideas that, that the left, the progressive people I think in this country have is or chipping away at like a problem with socialist ideas from our from our angle of like wealth and needing to like stop the accumulation of wealth to one part of it but like from if you're from a developing nation it's coming at it from a different yeah it's like uh it's a redistribution of everything uh it's inherently violent in its uh historical Mm. context um and it's not like chaz you know about chaz no james do you know yeah chaz is the um uh capitol hill autonomous zone in seattle right now where uh the anarchists and black lives matter protesters have taken over six blocks in central seattle and the police are not allowed in but they're going in with their undercover infiltrators and stuff right but it's like it's it's like it's like what the fuck that's like paris i'm not I feel supposed like to you, yeah, see that there's in america there's a place in in uh, the netherlands i think right where like where they've done oh, this in, in copenhagen like, in copenhagen society in uh, Denmark. Is it The Hague? No. It, it, it's in Copenhagen. It's uh I forget what they call it, but there's been like a 30-year autonomous little area next to the river in Copenhagen. Copenhagen. So many white people with dreadlocks. <laughs> no. An interesting thing about American politics versus what you describe as the third world left is um our politics are like way more right-wing as the sort of the core of the empire. Yes. And I always, I'm, I'm, I am not an on-the-ground expert about Chavez in Venezuela. I loved his critique of George W. Bush when I was in my 20s, when he went to the United Nations and said, it still smells like sulfur, because he was on the stage right after George W. Bush calling him the devil. I love that sort of, he was, I mean, a very, I, I love the bombastic sort of uh, uh, critique of American empire. And I think, um, uh, our politics versus not only South America, but all over the world, American politics is like far more right wing than our country seems like when you go around to the people and places. Yes, there's a lot of right wing people, but politically like the left and specifically like the populist left isn't really represented much um, because of all the like checks we have against sort of like, democratic representation and um chris hedges is a intellectual who says that there is no american left because they've just been defeated over and over again and assassinated so that there's not really an american left i'm not sure if i agree with it but it's an interesting point of view Mm. and um like compared to other countries that you can't say america has a left i don't know if that's something i would agree with seeing what's happening now in the streets um with like, Black Lives Matter, like it's, it's hard to, has for me a, to think of America as as having a left. It's for instance, good like to call it England, American left, like so polite. Like England has a Labour Party that's like countrywide that they, that exists, for instance, and we don't have a we have Democrats, but that's not a Labour Party. You know, like <laughs> the Democratic Party isn't like for the kinds of um, worker empowerment that you know something like a institution like a whole countrywide i don't know it just doesn't i just it doesn't it doesn't perfectly overlap there are overlapping values for sure but it doesn't perfectly overlap in terms of like advocacy for 
um, marginalized people and stuff like that. Not that it does in England, but I'm just saying. The American left seems so bougie. Like, if you say American <laughs> left is, like, right, almost, like, right-wing Venezuelan to me. It's almost, like, where my parents would stand, and they're kind of, like, in the center, <laughs> yes. you know? Yes. Uh, like, for just Venezuela. similar similar to how the time zones kind of, like, like the Far East Coast time zone in America, like, like goes halfway down South America. There's, like, a shift in the politics, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's hippie I, and bougie, and it's it has money. The American left. Yes, they because I think that they've played a game where they've courted the sort of uh, like the wealthy professional classes rather than uh, rather than sort of like working classes and the poor and racial minorities. Yeah. Yeah. Like they've done a little bit of that to the minimum they had to to sort of be a party, but I think they've catered way more to. Uh, sort of like, yeah, you know, well, wealthy liberals like you see on TV. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah but I, I think I that's a, changing because of the recent, you know, I it think does the seem Trump to be changes has, here. Has shaken everything up in a way. Um, a bit. Which is obviously, why I voted for him. <laughs> Same. See, you see, I say, I see uh, Travis and Trump similar too, because like, just as you're saying that thing about the sulfur and Bush, where he's completely right. You know, of being so like kind of crass about yes, and being I fuck you, insulting, un undignified. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So he did that to us too. He did that to the church and intellectuals, and he did that to anyone who would oppose him. So it was like, I is this kind of like weird figure where you're like, you are so right in these points, mm -hmm. the way you're criticizing uh, all these things, and then mm -hmm. you are also attacking most people. Who are against you? So it's kind of like, it is. It it's a, a, a splitting. It's a figure that splits uh, just people, you know, because because it's kind of like, oh, you're almost right. Like Trump is almost right the way he's insulted and treated certain things. I'm not. Please, I mean, God, I'm probably the thing that Trump hates the most, and I that right back at him. But he's pointed out some like diseases in the system just by being him i'm not saying he's doing it maybe like on purpose or well, yeah just by being the person that he is yes and, that's like, what i mean showing the way that the system works he the is like the the result he's a representative of yeah of a lot of america and he's a just, he's a test case <laughs> yeah, of american like, capitalist like democracy i think uh, in many ways uh trump is sort of a unreasoned rage um, or represents that. And I think the big difference between Trump and a lot of right-wing strongmen and fascists in the last hundred years of history is that he doesn't really have an ideology that's coherent, that he understands. Yeah. Right. Um, in like... some ways, he's like P.T. Barnum. He's like a circus figure that Very sort of... So, yeah. that always sort of leans to the right. But then once in a while, I mean, he... He freed a bunch of prisoners and stuff because Kim Kardashian went and sat down with him. Exactly. It's the last person he talks to, they say. <laughs> um, so the, like he didn't write he didn't so write like a treatise on on hate that was like thought out like Mein Kampf or something. He just is a hateful asshole. And so he's sort of like he's he's like a hateful asshole who's on stage all the time. He's a wild card. Yeah, he's, he's like very a much a wild card. Well, a lot of people say yeah. that this is an interesting perspective. Like there's this 
um, writer Lori Penny, who talks about the um, the troll, the like like toxic masculinity online and how like all these incels and all these like hate groups, like the way that they induct people into their um, legions is to come at them from the angle of misogyny. And then they use people who are like, yeah, why, you know, why are women so shitty? And like, why can't I have the sex that I want or whatever? And then they're like, yeah. And also, you should believe these things, yeah. You know, and they're like, sure, 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 because I'm a white guy who's aggrieved. And so there's, like, there's all these, like, feminist writers who are talking about, like, the this this insurgence of, of like, toxic male trolls and how it was, like, a huge problem politically. And it was, like, it wasn't just an online thing that it was, like, this is a warning that is, this is pre-Trump, but, like, this is a this is a canary in a coal mine of like things that are to come. It foretells a future that we're about to see. And then it feels like from that perspective that Trump is like one of those like aggrieved white, like trolls that became sentient and then just became president because his whole entire philosophy is just all about like, Oh, if it makes people mad, like that I do this then I want to do it more because fuck you. It's just like, it's not like a, political ideology it's just to be a thing that pisses people off and especially owns you know owns other people and like that's what it feels like trumpism is certainly reckless and destructive and hateful and and worthy of condemnation uh but there is a lot of it that's just sort of like an like an animal (laughs) like an animal lashing out rather than like a coherent like uh political philosophy i guess yes he's the embodiment of that internet of that uh, of that like inner world of so many like americans right. uh, he, didn't, he didn't i don't think he wanted to be president at all and he he wants to be reelected because it would be shitty for him for his ego to lose but he doesn't like want to continue to be president and it's like a lot of um there's been reports that they have spent like like three million dollars on ads in Washington D.C. because even though they know that they're not going to win Washington D.C. for Trump, because Trump watches TV in Washington D.C. and he gets mad, so they're like airing ads and spending campaign money on the district that Trump lives in so that he That's will see fascinating. it on TV. Did you it's- know a different version of that they did in the U.K. when Jeremy Corbyn was running for prime minister that the the Labour Party that hated Corbyn bought campaign ads and targeted... You know how you can micro-target on social yeah. media? Mm-hmm. They micro-targeted Jeremy Corbyn to make it to make it look to him like they were running lots of ads for him so that he would be like, oh, okay, great, the campaign's working. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Because it's like the ego, the pull of their own ego is so... It's all powerful. There's like nobody in the Trump campaign right now can do anything to help him get reelected besides like trick him into getting reelected. It's very interesting because uh, I think that he does have a a gambling chance to win at almost like a 50-50 chance at this now between Biden and Trump. And it's kind of a race to see whose mistakes, Mm -hmm. whose mistakes mess them up first or more. 
Yeah, like, it, I don't think either one's going to defeat the other. I think it's going to see which one loses. falls down the most. I know. That's what it yeah. feels like. I really don't like Biden uh, just because, literally just because of the photos of him kissing kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's gross. But, like, uh, yeah, that's a really good it analysis. Me. I feel like it's, you know, yeah, either one of them could be. <laughs> it's a race to the bottom. I'm so stressed about this. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that I like to, one hopeful note that I'd like to leave this conversation with is that like. Sorry, if it was. The, 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 no, 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 I think it's important to, and one thing during this Black Lives Matter uh, movement that has happened, it's like, I have been heartened to see how many people that like, I never thought would take this stance before being like, wow, I'm really a part of this white supremacy thing and, you know, um, becoming aware of their own mistakes in a way that doesn't necessitate them to then become defensive assholes has really been heartening to me. And it makes me feel like the one thing that I can do and to do, to do consistently as a white person is like continuously stay pumped and not like fretting about the kinds of things that, you know what I mean? Like it's definitely like prepare for the outcomes that I don't want, but also like hope for the best and like say, you know, like James, like you were saying when you were in college, the the pull of the ideologies of the people around you was not just about the fact that they were right, but it's like that they were having more fun. They were being better people and being like cooler, you know, about like not just like yes, yes, and aesthetically I, I mean, cooler, but cooler. If I'm gonna sit here and compliment myself, I'll say I was like open minded and not yes. like. I was not like dedicated to hate. So, 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 so like convincing argument or like me observing like how people treat each other was going to win me over probably. Um, maybe it was the acid too. I don't know. But like, um, I, 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 I do think that you, I, I, I do think that the, the left and particularly a left that really addresses uh, the, the suffering and the needs of actual people that are persecuted with uh, with racist structures and exploitative structures in our society and in our government, I think that's a better. I think that's certainly a the kind of politics that I like. I guess the Democratic Party doesn't seem to be the best vehicle for that, or right. even a vehicle for it. it it's just. I had a joke that never really worked because it's a political joke, but that the the Democratic Party is like it's not a leftist movement. It's like uh it's just a capitalist thing that's sort of marketed to the left like Apple computers. Oh, where yeah. where they're like, We you we want the left to believe in this, but you're here for us, not the other way around. Yeah. That said, I think there I completely see that. I think there are groups because I was raised like I said like in this very political family and we were democrats to the core you know what I mean like we were like if you want to put a, a modern label on it we were like war in democrats you know like capitalism can work let's do it but like it so for me when I hear all these criticisms from the left of democrats there's a part of me that wants to get defensive like but I was a democrat but Wellstone was a democrat and what we were doing you know what I mean Certainly but like I've realized democrat. that that doesn't serve me doesn't serve my political ideology to be defensive about it. It doesn't serve the people that I'm trying to help to be defensive about it. Because in reality, if those voices within the Democratic Party are there, 
and they're going to matter then the voices within the people that are like to the left of and critical of the democratic party are going to matter as well and it serves nobody for me to be like fuck that no i i never did anything bad i've never gotten anywhere in life being like i was never racist i've never gotten anywhere i mean in terms of like my own personal growth and my ability to be useful i've had way more fun and have had a richer life if I've been able to acknowledge that, like, I might not be right about fucking everything. And so it's like, how do I remain an example of how to stay pumped, stay positive, stay open minded and like live in a way that makes other people want to live the way that I live? I like listening to people. Uh, I, I don't really have much I'm bandwidth. Not, that's left. not for me. <laughs> but go ahead. I don't have much bandwidth left for listening to like the right wing. I kind of check in with them just to see where they're at and what they're saying in any current time. But like, I don't, I mean, there are people that I would consider to the left of me that I don't necessarily agree with. And not like that there's one sort of like a straight line continuum, but like that there's a bunch of different threads heading in different directions to the left and the right. Uh, It's more like a 3d model, I guess. And so I'm more interested in like listening and seeing if there's common ground and sort of like trying to see something from someone's perspective. Uh, yeah. Rather you, than being like, I disagree. Cause I'm like, I, I'm 40 now and I'm like, I don't care if I'm, if I disagree. You're really, well, you've always been like that to me. Maybe it's because you did the flip, <laughs> but like to me, like I was, you know, like uh, you've, you've always been a very vocal Bernie supporter. And to me, you've been an example of somebody who, was always able to like speak to why you supported a candidate that I didn't always support in a way that was like really welcoming and really like just a reasonable dude that I'm friends with that never made me feel like never condescended to me. And I think that's been like, that's been really helpful to me. So I'm like, how can I be more like that about my own beliefs? And like, it involves listening and being open-minded. Now that said, I don't want to listen to anything that Tucker Carlson has to say because Unless right. I'm like writing jokes or submitting a packet, you know. Right, just to sort of enemy research, um, <laughs> uh, which is important. I, <laughs> I I think that maybe it's a part of a discussion for another time, but I think also of it is part of part of it is that there's like personality types that just always want to fight about details uh, or fight about everything, and I think sort of social media um, I'm had, so like that caters to that and also makes it worse. And you could have a you could have a social media that's set up to have an honest exchange of ideas, and be like, hey, um, you know, there's no hate. I no hear Nazis. Ask Jeeves has a network <laughs> <laughs> that nobody's on. Uh, I don't know if I trust Jeeves as a representative <laughs> of the Anglo imperialism. That's funny about the details because I'm the opposite. I'm like, okay, what's the bigger picture here? Yeah, um, yeah. Like, oh, okay. So but both parties seem kind of. The same. Uh, that's what I said. Like it's a power lock to me. I just don't see. I don't see how any of them are for me. Um, so, but but I'm like, okay, what's the bigger picture? What's this interplay? What's this dynamic? How are we? What could we find behind this? The two mm. parties. Mm-hmm. Like, what other power systems are in place that have nothing to do with specific the specifics of each. Like, I'm just trying to always look for the macro. Just, I think maybe because I come from Venezuela and I got hung up on details all of my youth. And then I was like, I need to leave this place. Um, so, yeah, I always try to see, like, kind of like a, like we were, I was in a Zoom yesterday and some people was like, you know, when someone's homeless, sometimes, like, 
they talk to you about politics and they seem to have like a clarity of mind that sometimes you who are informed and reading and like smart and like uh, privileged don't have. And I'm like, yeah, because to them, they're not hung up on the details. They're just like, mm -hmm. I don't have my ba basic needs met. You know, it's just, there's something about that that's like a little mm -hmm. bit helps you see behind the veil. Mm -hmm. So I'm always interested in seeing like this, like zooming out. Uh, seeing the macro, macro. of like uh, of where we could be, um, but the details are important for the details are important for daily life, like politics, like the uh, DM your your representative uh, DM slide into their DM <laughs> sliding into all of their DMs. <laughs> uh, that's good. Like those are details that are important to know. But in terms of how I, I approach think it, people, it's fascinating to see how the. They call it the Overton window, which if, if you're not familiar, the Overton window is like a, a it's a way of describing the politics that are acceptable to be discussed by mainstream media and sort of the political consensus. So the Overton, rep the Overton window represents the range of politics that are discussed in polite society and like the sort of mainstream media. And the Overton window has shifted radically in just two weeks to where uh, a, a lot of what the Black Lives Matter uh, movement is talking about um, is now being seen as within the range of possibility for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, because people are, people are seeing like, oh, yeah. The, the, you, we can't do policing like this. The, the, if we keep doing policing like this, it, the only way it can possibly go is into like an overt live fire police state where they're killing civilians all the time, more than they are already. Mm -hmm. Because they, people, they kill somebody and people go out on the streets and then their reaction is always to bust up the vigil. Or yeah. people, go, people go, wow, we're sad that you killed that person. You shouldn't have done that. And the police come out and go, fuck you. And then shoot the media and bystanders. Like they, like they were such snarling assholes these last two weeks. <laughs> I know. The, the whole country goes, well, obviously this can't keep going. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, the movement to defund the police is actually on the table for the first time. Right. There's a lot of people coming out with compromises like, hey, just cut their budgets or try to like take some of their responsibilities away from them. Uh, I'm just happy to see that the Overton window has shifted to yeah. what I would call the populist left and yes. in the direction of racial justice. That's exactly. kind of what I, what I see more than the racial justice itself. I don't think we're going to see racism. Uh, I don't think in this lifetime I'm going to see racism go away. In fact, I don't need you to change your, your view on, on, on racist or who matters. I just want you, I, I want to pressure you into doing the right thing because you have to. I don't care what you think. I just I just want you to not do the wrong thing. Mm. But um, there's a lot of conversations that that are political that have to do with our lives that I've had with so fucking dog uh, that I've had with chicken. So annoying uh, that I've had with with my brown Latinx LGBTQ black friends that the the, the window you're talking about those certain topics of what we would discuss normally are not part of the mainstream polite mm -hmm. discussion on politics. Mm -hmm. um, so it feels like I'm radical all the time. I'm like almost conspiracy, almost crazy, like almost crazy. And then now the, the conversation, something like defund the police, which is 
so radical sounding at first is now part of a mainstream conversation or like a, the polite conversation, as you call it. Well, um, they have they have in Los Angeles, for example, the police has 54 percent of the city budget. And it, it's I'm, I'm glad that that's on the table as being unacceptable because uh, the, it's too much. I mean, if you're going to have a police force, they need it needs to be radically reduced in its scope, where it's basically just like the detectives and the SWAT team or something. Yeah, and we didn't have know. Different Wait, agencies for other. I have a Star Star Trek analogy. Yeah, that's like if that's like if fifty percent of all command functions in the entire ship were just given to Worf. Like if Worf <laughs> was in charge of basically? transporters. Uh, direction security if he was the like everybody in engineering had to go to warp before they uh, oh went like they adjusted the warp core like and it, he'll it, shoot first and ask yeah he's like oh it's not working shoot it and they're like we have to because it's he warps in charge <laughs> i think yeah. the police state culture should voluntarily like step back and go as their own internal policy the police forces should never the law enforcement should never have a budget that's more than 25 or 33% of any municipality's budget yeah. because we they should want on their own to not be seen as an occupying power mm-hmm. and a police state. They should be they, out front being like, don't give us too much money or too much power. Like in the sense that in the way that teachers in public schools have said, I want to educate. That's why I got into teaching. But now with No Child Left Behind, I'm a like I'm a test like computer. Like, I I force these kids to memorize things. I'm also responsible for their physical well being. I'm responsible for making sure they're fed. I'm responsible for all these extra things. And teachers are like, please don't make us responsible for these things. The cops should be like, I'd like to do my job. Can I just do my job instead of having to walk into situations where I know I'm powerless and watch tragedies unfold because I have no training in mental health or I, d- I don't know how to deliver babies. They have to do all these ridiculous things that don't make any sense. Yeah, it's a lot. It's like it's it's crazy, especially like you see 50 percent of the budget is going to the police and you see so many homeless people and you see the police mostly York- just remove them. And I'm like, but why couldn't we use the money that we're using to yeah. remove them to actually place them or help them? I was them. trying to get on like, the Herald it's team. It's crazy in L.A. When I was trying to get on a Herald team in New York, the last audition step, it's in front of the NYPD. Why are they involved? <laughs> I I almost believe you. That yeah, that you would did. literally. <laughs> it was I was like I was not in that it's audition. It's crazy. Um yeah, it's like the fire department is their own thing and everybody respects the fire department. Uh like you could hand a bunch of police uh uh responsibilities to the fire department. Or you could have more departments. You could have just like different more departments. departments. Yeah, and then it, be... if you have more departments, you could have more shows about those departments. There's a lot of there's it a lot affects of all of us. This regard for the mental health and how that affects our social interactions as a community. And there should be like a squad of mental health workers, mental can, health detectives who can deal with stuff like that. Yeah, because um, a lot of things like an altercation can uh, can escalate if. If someone's like, like Doesn't out of their meds or like they don't have that happens the... a lot. That happens a lot. Yeah. And then there's like a lot of like uh, uh, abuse, domestic abuse cases. Mm-hmm. That's also like social work. Like that's it's just like a the domestic department. abuse department. 
would be a great show for a drama series. And an, a great department, too. You know, like Obviously, we're going to have to test it out on the BBC first. See what they do with it. And then do it better. That's the path here. to development now in this country. <laughs> do it first in the BBC before trying to bring it back to the States. Either or you can have a... Or, or we'll try it in Channel bestseller. 4. New York Times bestseller, BBC, or obviously Sweden can do it. Unless they all die from coronavirus. Uh, um, the girl with the girl with a domestic abuse department tattoo. That's good. The girl with the domestic abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Department. Uh, I don't know if I you're actually speaking. It. Yeah. Was that convincing oh, to you, James? Are you? Are you? Yeah. I was like, is that is that Minnesota Swedish yeah. for real? Sick. No, I was just faking it based on my <laughs> my my Duolingo lessons. Uh-huh. Um. So speaking of the weird matrix we're living in, and um, and <laughs> I don't know how to like segue into fucking Star Trek. I uh, already tried with the wharf thing. It's it worked. You know, um. I really want to know from James why he wanted to do this episode, even though it's clear that it's the greatest. But uh, it's so I- good. You know, there was two episodes that featured that Moriarty character. There's one, I guess, earlier on where he, that I remember from being a kid, where he figures out that he's on the Enterprise because they created him to be the equal of Data. And so (laughs) he's like, perhaps we are even on a ship. And then this was the, the, (laughs) the sequel that's like later in the series run where he comes back and tries to ransom the Enterprise to get off the holodeck completely. And it was, I guess, both of these episodes, when, in particular the, the second iteration, were so interesting because he, he, um, he has to, like, it, it, it was the first time as a child that I saw validated the sort of idle mind mind what do you call them uh mental exercises and mind games that you play as a kid where you're like what if it's all fake right yeah and it was the first time i saw it happen in a tv show where i was like wait you mean other people think this too oh that's awesome (laughs) i see i see and then at the end of the at the end of the episode i watched it last night and picard sort of it's almost he doesn't turn to camera and wink and like he doesn't but yes, but I know what you mean. Does, where he turns to camera and he's like, perhaps we are a simulation in a little box sitting on someone's countertop. And you, you watching that in the 90s, you would have been like, oh, ha, 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 ha. He knows he's in a TV show. When he says that, Beverly Crusher is clearly so hot for him. She's like, yeah, I love your mind. You know, you can really see it. The gears turning. That's also. Cute. I think it's probably this episode, the, this episode, and the, the 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 tag team episode that came before it with the Professor Moriarty, the sentient holodeck character. I think this probably is basically every like. I think it's the entire motivation of Elon Musk and everything he's trying to do. Probably that's funny. It's like the only thing that that he cares about is whether there's a simulation. He just wants to uh, get out of the matrix, the holodeck, just to see if. Like he'll find the workings, maybe. Maybe also, that's what he's doing. I'm a big sucker for any Star Trek episode. I'm most familiar with the '60s one and the Next Generation. I don't know much about the later ones, but I love. I'm a sucker for any episode where 
uh, A, this kind of episode where like a creature more powerful than your science comes <laughs> and you have to deal with him. And B, any episode where the actors on Star Trek get a chance to prove that they're yes. actors. Yes. So and often. This, this satisfies both of those. Yes. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's, it's one of the only episodes that does that because we have several, several episodes of Data doing like 49 different things. But I will say that if they do those ep- episodes, they usually involve Spiner. Um, just right. acting. As he probably off. had an he probably had an agent that was like, "Look, I mean, Brent is locked into a character, and he's doing a great job. But I mean, yeah. he's getting typecast. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we can get him? <laughs> can oh, we yeah. at least show he... that that he can he could play Sherlock Holmes convincingly? Whoever that person was, you set the standard at WME or wherever you were. <laughs> um, um, we pulled some clips. The the first episode of. Of Moriarty, Moriarty, so hard to say. Uh, it's Elementary Dear Data, uh, and it was when Pulaski was on the show. So that's season two. Yes, um, Pulaski was the the doctor who hated Data, who replaced Beverly Crusher in season two, and she was like, "You're just a pile of, you're just a toaster." Pile of circuits. She kept saying mean, weirdly robot racist things to Data all the time. <laughs> so. Here it says uh, in the profile of Moriarty in the Memory Alpha website, it says gender, male, species, human from Sherlock Holmes, creator Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, occupation, master criminal. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> I just want, like, that's a great occupation. That's the other thing, too, is that by bringing back Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes, the Star Trek writers are sort of locked into Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes, like, terminology like a master of crime no one even <laughs> talks about anything like that and there's no such thing as that ever <laughs> it's so it's such a like a dated 1890s work of fiction to be like he is the napoleon of crime <laughs> like crime no cr- nobody is like that's right i elevate crime to a high art <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to see Captain Picard, 200 years in the future, is that it? Yeah. Or three? 200 years in the 400. future, having to, 400 years in the future, having to validate this, uh, this, <laughs> this idea of like, I see you, crime has no place in the 22nd century. <laughs> Professor so Morio. I know. Well, your we ethos wonder, of being a criminal. They quote, they, they quote like medieval things and like things from eight, the 1800s so many times. And I'm like, they how never, is, yeah. How is that what survived? They never quote, they're never like, just like Britney Spears, you know? Yeah. Um, <gasps> yes. And there's never, there, well, with rare exceptions, there, there's not much that they fall back on that's like, would be the rich cultural history of the intervening several hundred years. Right. They conveniently always lean on something from the 20th century or before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, they that, they do explain that. An in-universe explanation is that, like, close to our time that we're in now, there was a like apocalyptic event that wiped out most of humanity, and therefore it's the actually pretty good relics, explanation. <laughs> they're like, I can't. It's kind of a smart explanation because it also forms the like foundational purpose the foundational like explanation for the federation came out of like restoring that but you'd think there'd be some cool like 
Black Eyed Peas songs about like restoring. Oh, okay, so here's here's why they didn't bring this episode up uh, from season two all the way to season six, and it's because um, it was so popular to use Sherlock Holmes, but uh, it was prevented by a pro. pro- Tracted legal dispute between Paramount and the state of Arthur Conan, Conan Doyle. My then, God, copyright reform! Come on. And then Jerry Taylor was like, "Okay, let me reinvestigate the possibility of doing that and of doing it." And then turns out everything was a misunderstanding. So for well, four seasons, they couldn't use this character because they thought it was like a legal problem. It's almost as if like if that hadn't happened, we would have had like the, yeah. the whole series would have just like become. <laughs> We were like, protected. Moriarty would have just like been a guy on the ship. <laughs> yes. That would be great if Moriarty's uh, plan for getting off of the Enterprise would have been like a copyright lawsuit. <laughs> he was just like, you're not allowed to use me as a character. <laughs> oh, well, then he would truly be a master criminal. <laughs> a master criminal, Moriarty. So just to recap, like, so what happened is um, in the very, like, so they made, as you said, uh, they programmed the holodeck to be as smart as Data, and suddenly this this Moriarty character became sentient, and suddenly the technology turned into like a living being by definition, right? And so by they, some definitions, yeah, An interesting question. So it's weird. He's so like uh, he's so like sure of himself about being like a real person, uh, which is like. Yeah, he's like a competent thinking, guy. Yeah, I was thinking a lot like, of people would be like, "Am I real?" If my phone, like, I am real, bitch. Yeah, if your phone, yeah, <laughs> I'd be so annoyed. I'd be like, "Come on, man." Series like I experienced the passage of time. It was a very interesting uh, to watch and uh, last night and like revisit it and be like, "Oh, I, I, first of all, I'm older than half the cast now," <laughs> and. <laughs> Like I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm older than um, Jordy LaForge and Data in the in that in that time period. I'm I could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty close. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm I need to be looking at characters like Professor Moriarty as like <laughs> the rest of my career. Holy shit! Someone who shows up and is like, I'm a master of crime, <laughs> and I'm certainly past <laughs> my prime. <laughs> That's exactly no, you what could, I thought would you like to match about the with Countess. Me? What's no, name? you could play a high school senior on Riverdale. We all could. <laughs> Got me. <laughs> Got my headphones off. The the what is it? Regina? Regina? When she said Regina, I was like, you didn't. The Countess Regina. It's a name that is not right for a name for uh for anything. Uh, royalty. Maybe I don't know if Arthur Conan Doyle did it or if the Star Trek writers did, but it's what the Countess Regina. Mm-hmm. It's a, it sounds like a vagina. Holly no Hawk one should have that name. Silly. It's the Countess Regina Vagina. <laughs> and it's almost like, did they not see... And uh, Reginald is Reginald, so they have two characters in the same episode. Called do you want to play the opening? Let's do it. Cold open, the cold opening? It's quite cold. It was then I began to suspect that your brother did not die by his own hand. That he was, in fact... Murdered. Murdered? <laughs> Good Lord. But Holmes, the vial of poison found in his hand. 
Jordy acting. Clue, Watson. Mm -hmm. The vial contains strychnine, which, as you well know, induces violent muscular spasms. It is difficult to imagine that Data as a character is an experiment to be like, how can we take a white person and like make them like like multiply the white by the white? Exactly. The vial was placed in his hand after he died. Then what was the cause of death? The cigar, of course. A cigar, of course. A cigar? Upon closer investigation of the room in which your brother was found, I discovered a fresh so that guy's just a completely fictional character, Watson guy. Revealed that the cigar was laced with strychnine. This is utter nonsense. Uh, or no, he's not. Suicide noted. It was written in my dear brother's own hand. With practice. I was just admiring the harumph harumph uh, acting <laughs> they got to do. Mutton chop acting. James, did you go to acting school? No. I, um, <laughs> you should. <laughs> it's, a, it's too late. I can't take any more classes. I, uh, I, I know what I know and I'm going in. <laughs> uh, I, I was a, I was a theater major when I first went into college. And then, uh, I sort of like, I, then there was a self-designed major program that I ended up failing. I, I failed out of my own self-designed major. <laughs> Sounds You're like... a master criminal. <laughs> master criminal. Um, yeah, I've been pulling scams for <laughs> most of my adult life that I am the perpetrator of and also the main victim, the victim. of. Yeah. That's how I think of my comedy career. You were like, I'm designing a curriculum that's so difficult, I can only fail it. <laughs> uh, um, I, well, I was saying that Data, the character Data is like, it's like you take a white a white person multiplied by itself, and that's what you get with data. <laughs> it's so true. That's how his skin got like that. Right. That's what happens. It's so a dash weird. of Karen. <laughs> oh no, data is calling, calling the authorities. <laughs> um. Yeah. So obviously that's Brent Spiner, uh, scenery chewing, and I guess that's um. Sherlock Holmes. I don't. I don't know how much of that's directly from a Arthur Conan Doyle story, or if it's just generic sort of like. Could it be murder? Mm. Did they? Uh, did did Data sound British or kind of like I would sound if I was saying something in British? Uh, it sounded like good enough. I think probably by choice. Like they were like, don't go overboard on the British stuff. Right. It sounded like an American doing sort of like an okay enough for the theater, but not like vocal coach level. Yeah. Veronica's studying British right now. So right. she's that's maybe why she asked. Sorry to bore you're your studying, You're studying no. British English? I just, uh, I've been doing, working with a dialect coach for so long, but um, with in American English, if I have a dialect, like, if I have a dialogue and I learn it, I, I can do standard American accent at this point. So I'm bored. <laughs> so I just wanted to like learn something else. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Deconstructing the British alphabet and the sound alphabet is wild. Yeah. Yes. If you really get into it, you can follow the uh, the vowel shift across all different English accents throughout the world. Yeah. Um, where, what I think a tour de force. <laughs> One of my favorite posts, like I can't stop saying it. Somebody posted on 
um, their Instagram, like over there in England, they're like B L O C K L O I V E S M A Lloyds Lloyds M A dash A A Lloyds Ma, and it was just like the way that it was spelled out. It was so good. <laughs> like, meanwhile in England, everyone's like what Blot Lloyds Ma. What? So really stuck in my craw in a good way. I was wondering why why Barkley uh, is in this episode, and it says like uh, they just needed a character who didn't know about Moriarty first, so that he could have the first encounter with him and just be surprised by it. Right, because everybody in the last episode was involved. He's the technician with the screwdriver and stuff. Yeah, I love, I love seeing how very '90s the Enterprise is. Where it's like you walk around the Enterprise and there's nothing but people on like outward facing computers fucking with all kinds of Enterprise shit. But when the when the holodeck goes haywire, you need someone to like screwdriver open the panel, <laughs> like a maintenance man to come and like pull a panel off the wall. Why isn't there an outward facing Enterprise panel for him to bleep bloop blop on? <laughs> And then he pulls out he pulls out what are clearly basically like RAM cards if you've ever mm-hmm. opened up a computer. Yeah. Sometimes something breaks on the Enterprise and they need data to pull the RAM cards individually because it takes him less time because he can like they basically he film can... him doing it and then they speed up the film so that it's like, wow, look how fast data can pull out these cards and rearrange them. Yeah. He's basically doing a um a Buster Keaton bit. <laughs> I always think of Union Universe explanations and I'm like, well, maybe because they they don't want to rely too much on technology to they want to have some physical interfaces so that they can human beings can override things. Otherwise, the computer constantly gets taken over by more Moriarty type anomalies. Right. You're flying through space and there's just an endless number of Gene Roddenberry esque like sentient clouds that or, that <laughs> yes. just keep wanting to take over the computer. And it's yeah. the easiest thing to do. Yeah, it's easy thing to do unless you have a screw off panel where you can remove the hard drive. <laughs> That's Physically. the fail safe. It's actually a, it's an advanced <laughs> way of dealing with it. So um, let's see what I pulled for the next clip. Wait, uh, so is um, so the uh, I just keep saying data that's on the website, but it says that the director noted that the most difficult aspect of the show for him was uh, casting the part of Regina Re- Regina Bartholomew. Bartholomew. Her casting was the most difficult because we needed, this is on quotes, uh, because we needed someone who could pull off an English accent and had a regal appearance, but who was also very sexy in Victorian clothes. And when I saw Stephanie okay. Beecham, I said, that's it. End of story. So they booked her. And very when I, sexy. When I saw her, I also had that same thought of you uh, that you had, like, from, from here on out, by the time we leave this quarantine, I'm just going to be playing, like, sexy, like, older women was like just like i mean when i saw her face i was like i need this on tv i need a guest star that's supposed to be sexy to be also like 45 you know yeah i'm not 45 but it just looks so good that's the great thing about this show and shows from the 90s is like if you were a sexy woman usually on star trek the next generation if it's like a sexy girl it's usually a woman who's like 45 years old and she's like, hello. 37 and like, up. Had too many cigarettes and she's just like, that's right. And Riker's like, oh, and everybody like loses their mind. Sorry, um, James. Wait, what were you saying, James? Oh, I was just laughing. 
Oh, okay. Captain. <laughs> Captain. It's like it's like Selma from The Simpsons. Um, okay. So let Sam don't go to the next clip. Go to the one that's labeled uh, "He's Human" because I want to do this scene. I like this scene where they take Moriarty from the holodeck, and um, we can do. Oh, maybe let's see. Don't talk during the clip because I don't think we can hear where the clip. Okay. Is. Okay, let's just go to this scene, the 1233, because they take him to the, after he escapes the holodeck, they take him into the sick bay. By the way, that teaser was six and a half minutes, the longest one in all of the series. Look how awesome Moriarty's hair is. Yeah, it's cool. It's very, it's. He must be taking lots of Nutrafol. As far as I can (laughs) tell, he's real. (laughs) What else would I be, dear lady? His DNA is a little unusual, but all the major systems are there and functioning normally. As far as I can tell, there's no evidence that his molecules are losing any cohesion. They seem to be as immutable as ordinary matter. As far as I can tell... Professor, my crew will continue to investigate, but... For now, it would seem that you have accomplished a miracle. The question is, now that you're here, what do we do with you? I ask only that I be allowed to explore this new world. Your vessel, for instance. What sea does she sail? Might we go above deck? Weather permitting, of course. Professor, I think there are some things of which you should be made aware. I love that she's like, he's human. Um, I love that the guy playing Moriarty, I don't know the actor's name, that look is like, he's clearly a guy that's like, I'm a I'm a renowned actor across several media. <laughs> like I don't know anything about him, but clearly he's like I'm in several plays this season. Yeah, That's yeah. Daniel Davis, who is the probably... butler in the nanny. Oh really? yeah. He probably yeah. He looks like it's very Michael Landon cars. era hair. <laughs> <laughs> what were you he he looks like a rich guy who drives race cars. <laughs> That's what his hair looks like to me. And also, uh, I just, uh, I mean, uh, I, I realized that here's a writing note to Star Trek The Next Generation. He, Great time to give it. You need to have him explicitly accuse of breaking a Federation law so he can pay off being like, you mean even now you could call me a master criminal? <laughs> like he, what he's doing is like unhelpful. But you need to put a button on it and say he's actually broken a law by taking over the ship. That's, That's my writer's I like that. Note. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Because he's like now, he's a renegade no matter what. Like, a, yeah, a criminal. Uh, no yeah. matter what. Just establish it. I he's like, because otherwise he's just like a raconteur. Yes. yes. <laughs> he's, he's just a guy who kind of, he broke the house rules. Right. Like he cheated at gambling or something. But You don't do that. What's the crime? It, no, yeah, he was just—he was just bad. Uh, the, it's like you walk at your roommates with Moriarty, and you walk in, and the milk's all gone, and you're like, "Master criminal." <laughs> the, <laughs> it's a dick move. Same with like uh, Picard and Jordy have a three-line conversation that was so fucking dumb. Like, like Picard calls him aside, like, uh, oh, yes. "How do you think he took control of the ship?" And Jordy's like. Whatever he did, he was really smart about it. And then Picard is like, find out how he did it. And then left. And I'm like, what was this moment? What? I think that was Picard figuring out that 
Jordy LaForge. Wait, no, Jordy was a real one. No, that was earlier when he was still real. Yeah. It was that's, so that's dumb. It was Jordy. like kid, so, okay. kids plotting. It was like kids playing like, you're going to be the bad Ooh. guy, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> I have no, I mean, having been done a few TV shows, you have no idea watching this how many, like, this was probably halfway into a season. Everybody's tired. Who knows yeah. if it was on a Monday? Yeah. And then they were like, they were like, Bob, we need a line for this scene. We had to cut that other scene. And then the writers oh, come in yeah. and they're like, uh, can you just have him say maybe this would accomplish it? <laughs> it, it sounds totally like an added three liner because they're like, we're not going to make the time. Just add something here. We're already on double we're not time. Make- Look, we're not making our days and I want to come back. So I think there are some things of which you should be made aware. There's a bar. My God. We're adrift in the heavens. No, not adrift. The Enterprise is a starship capable of traveling through space. Extraordinary. Through the heavens. What do you mean space? Was that a word? Far from Earth? What is the range of this ship? What means of locomotion does it use? There's so much for me to learn. I hardly know where to start. I can give you books that will help. Good, good. I I want to start making plans. Determine what I'm going to do with my life. I hope you will plan remaining on board for a while. There is still much that we need to understand about what has happened to you. Does it really matter? The point is, I'm here. And I'm eager to get on with life. Professor, I feel it necessary to point out that criminal behavior is as unacceptable in the 24th century as it was in the 19th, and very much harder to get away with. Don't worry, Captain. My past is nothing but a fiction. The scribblings of an Englishman dead now for four centuries. I hope to leave his books on the shelf, as it were. If that is so, then there are opportunities awaiting you that are beyond anything you have ever imagined. Your century may welcome me, but what is the matter? In considering all these vast possibilities, I suddenly feel very much alone. I am a man out of time, Captain. And that isolates me. So, like, I love that he's, like, um, weather permitting. And, like, a bad pitch would be, like, then just shoot him into space. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you want to go above deck? Sure. (laughs) Like uh, HAL 9000. Problem solved. Um, Uh I also love how he set up uh, wanting to take his chick with him instead of being like, so I have I have someone at, at home like I want to bring her. He's just they like... get a plus one. He just went the long way about it. He's like, and considering my life. I don't know, like the way he approached Picard about it was is kind of like... I want like to get on with life. Funny, if you already know that he has a girlfriend, he could just be like, listen, I have a girlfriend. I want to get on with my life doesn't sound like high enough language. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. like a heightened enough desire. Yeah. I want to yeah. get, it sounds like a 17 year old. I want to get on with my life. I know. I want to live out loud. <laughs> also, um, there's no faster way to make a character high status than by making him a professor. <laughs> I'm curious, like what was Moriarty a professor of? Was, really does he point. have tenure somewhere? Gender studies. <laughs> 
It's really weird, actually. It doesn't track very much with <laughs> criminal study. I also don't know what kind of books Picard can like. I know that's the craziest part. He's like, this, uh, I can give you books. It's like a Kindle, maybe, but a he book just said books. I guess spaceship. to not confuse him. I guess so. It's weird. Like the entire thing is weird. Like him being like, it's I'm just like the writings of, a, of an old Englishman, and it's like you're your creator. You're creator. Yeah. yeah. That's like, who that's you your are personality. to your core. Yeah, it's, you know, it's weird. It's weird. Like, I don't know. I guess, like, how much how much can you in an hour explore what it means to become, to be a character that becomes sentient, you know? You know something that's bothering me about this? Moriarty is essentially, like, a hol- the holodeck did that. The holodeck is Moriarty. And, okay, sure, you have to plug, like, a thing into it, and then it turns into this, like, trickster holodeck but it the holodeck is way more powerful than we've been led to believe it's done it's created this living thing but then their their attitude is like well let's button him up and put him on a hard drive and let him be happy with his girlfriend where where he thinks he's exploring space by himself yeah yeah rather than why don't they sit down and fucking run all kinds of experiments about creating a new simulated universe inside the holodeck like right the whole focus of the rest of the series should be, oh I know, God, yes. we can create new universes on the holiday. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things, problematic things about this show, is that so many of the episodes bring up these philosophical situations that would shatter people's reality over and over again. But then they're just like, wow. Anyway, we've got to go watch these planets <laughs> fucking they're, hit each other. That was they're, another funny thing. They're worried, yeah, like, they're worried about Moriarty. Like, how do, how do we get rid of this problem and how can we give him a, a dignified life versus being like, wait, yeah. did The did individual Moriarty becomes way more important than the... Than, than the, the like, the idea that... Yeah, I, they do kind of say that, that they've given this problem to the philosophical scientists or whatever at the Federation to explore and that they've been looking at it for four years. So they're just the they were just the forward looking eyeballs and some other people assist yeah, the like, ramification. They just constantly give these problems over to the Federation. They're like, we also discovered there's an afterlife. You should check into this. Let us know if anything changes with that. It's a you good have- department to have. Like, listen, we encountered this, we dealt with it in the moment. We need to keep like doing our thing. Can mm-hmm. you just like deal with what this means in terms yeah. of life? <laughs> Please. Like, yeah. we just need to like keep cruising you know yeah and they're like the the federation's like can we ask the enterprise to stop exploring so hard because we're like way we, behind we're figuring we're, out. we're actually like 80 years behind even <laughs> catching up on the work like every two weeks they come up with a new fucking reality altering situation yeah <laughs> can't keep up uh there's also how, how probably the world record for the least amount of importance given to two stars colliding and two two planets colliding and turning <laughs> into a star it's this sort of afterthought like in another script it would be equivalent to like we have to get ready for the big party <laughs> <laughs> i love it because it's like the it makes you think about what's happening on the show when you're not watching the show like crazy things are We're going to watch on. these fucking planets collide what say that again We've got to watch these fucking planets collide. <laughs> but that's why there's so much fanfic of this show. <laughs> right. Filling in in between. 
Yeah, it was like uh, it definitely is like two two major ideas at once. But that always happens where they're like dealing with an individual who's like crazy about returning home because he's like from a crazy timeline and then they're like also uh we're about to find out what like a black hole means and so we and then they focus on the person versus yeah. like <laughs> the main problem that they're having in the episode as far as like a writing point of view it's like we don't have to, like, we gotta wrap this up because <laughs> we're we ugh i have to go solve one of the like pioneering <laughs> concepts of science yeah, it's crazy. But I guess, like, it, in a way, it normalizes it. And it's kind of like, this is where, where it becomes a show for the entire family, I guess. Where it becomes a show for, <laughs> for kids, in a way, you know? It's like, you know, there's something for everybody. That's what I always say. <laughs> it's cute. Uh, but, you know, and nowadays, it all goes too fast. Like, the new Star Trek is too fast. So they they just invent too much. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would like to see two parters like or like yeah i get more philosophical i like a, a more philosophical sense this has to do with taking james and me into the real world you 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 know about that you understand about the real world james has explained it to me it sounds like a grand adventure there's nothing i love more than voyaging in the unknown have you ever been to africa mr o- o- uh, Barkley, Lieutenant Reginald Barkley. Uh, no, no, I haven't. No, I no. have. When I was 17, I went on safari with my uncle. My mother took to her bed in terror. I'd be bitten by tsetse fly. But I had a marvelous time. I got to wear trousers the whole time. <laughs> oh, it was hard to go back to a corset, I can tell you. Yes, I'm sure it was. After that, I never stopped traveling. Oh, I couldn't bear to be stuck in one place for very long. Susie, I'm so looking forward to this new experience. My, traveling the stars. You know about that? You you know where we are? Countess, forgive me, but you just don't sound like a holodeck character. That's because she isn't. Jane. Jesus. So horny. If you loved a woman like this, Lieutenant, would you be content to let her remain a simulation? Okay. You, you gave her consciousness? <laughs> Lieutenant. Uh, they kiss for a long time, and Barkley is hard. <laughs> I'm her. I'm that person. <laughs> they were, they were, they, this show is full of horny dorks. Yes. <laughs> Aren't they all? Something for everyone. So uh, there's like this thing where she's like, I got to wear trousers. It was awesome. And he's like, you can just wear trousers now. It's weird that she's in the corset now. Hasn't she told her boyfriend? Like, one of my favorite things is to not wear this shit. She knows about the stars at this point. She could be wearing a t-shirt. Yeah. She's like, oh, do you think I could wear this other overalls such as a workman might wear? Oh, could I wear something like a, a skirt made of straw, as the Polynesians do? You know, if the implications are true, I suppose I could reconfigure myself as a glowing diamond. <laughs> it I would be nice. That's what I would do. I'd be like, 
What will you do if you're a, a character that's suddenly like, I'm alive? Mm -hmm. If it was in this reality, I'd be like, I'm going to head back. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, ow, I'm out. But I would reconfigure probably into something else. If I could. Go ahead and put me on a hard drive. Yeah. Is there some sort of hard drive I could sleep on for the rest of eternity? <laughs> They basically, yeah, they basically like low key killed. I mean, it was kind of humane, but they basically mm -hmm. put them on a hard drive. They did the same thing. They did like the benevolent, like, like happy version of like sending Zod into condom into like the yeah that that uh, universe prism, the other dimension prism in Superman. Yes, they did, and but I think that the way that they justify it by being like, well, we're probably on a card too is like kind of like oh okay yeah it is all a simulation so like okay, and I how many how many planets did the program how many situations can they actually get in once they land in those planets like yeah i'm a little bit skeptical that because moriarty figured out how to make his own holodeck program that he's not going to be able to figure out that he's in a holodeck program and also how far i mean the technology of memory storage in just a, like, the, what is that? That's like a. They put him in a huge, it was a, it's a huge series of glowing uh, memory sticks, like random access memory that's plugged into like a giant triangle guitar. <laughs> I just, yeah, they started away. Uh, yeah, I have hard drives with photos downstairs and they're a huge problem like it's like so annoying yeah. to carry around <laughs> so they're sentient now <laughs> at this point yeah, you should probably... check and see if your old headshots haven't become sentient i frankly have to because it's been so long they've experienced the passage of time oh, i know you experienced the passage of time in your dungeon <laughs> imagine carrying like that big hard drive forever like here's our little mortiarty and regina you know like that's what i say to my uh my headshot uh, person I'm like did you make it look like my face hasn't experienced the passage of time <laughs> <laughs> did they make it if you're truly 400 years in the future everything should always be automatically backing up on hard drives all the time fully conscious that everything's in simulation inside of a simulation and then the game is like is like you never know what level of the simulation is doing anything and you're these like dimensional time lords I mean, we so might I'm, be there already. I just pitched a less interesting, less human version of Star Trek. Jordy. Why did you do that, Data? Captain, I have determined how Moriarty was able to leave the holodeck. He never did. Neither did we. None of this is real. It is a simulation. We are still on the holodeck. And I love how Jordy. We're acts still here. on the holodeck. How do you know that? Oh. Reaction, sir. Still. Lieutenant Barclay and I tried to transport a simulated object off the holodeck, something that has never been attempted. Since the transporter itself is a simulation, computer had no real data from which to create the transport logs. Maybe it was just a malfunction in the transporter. Then I saw you working the pad with your left hand. Commander LaForge is right-handed, sir. 
A similar malfunction occurred in the Sherlock Holmes program I was running before Moriarty first appeared. I I don't understand. So good. I don't understand how Jordy suddenly left-handed. Those are the kind of details I look for. I'm I'm that person. I'm like, oh, left-handed. But well, I don't they really they, they really lean into showing you someone catching something with a hand <laughs> to draw your eye to it. I know. I can catch with my right hand. Well, sometimes. Okay, that's a, that actually is a good way to do it. But it's I love the way that Jordy it. starts acting like just like like all of a sudden if you were just like uh if you and Veronica had a discussion like uh this is a simulation and Alice actually isn't real. She's part of the Zoom technology and I'm just like Wait, so that so that that like Jordy way, is simulated. That Jordy's simulated. So the way he's just standing there, just Where's like the real kind of then? furrowed brow. <laughs> like he starts acting like a because a you called him character. out. Just because you called like, him out, he has to. Like, like he can't hear that he's not real. It's like those ghosts in uh, Scooby Doo when they're like, once like caught, they're like, suddenly yeah. everyone's just. Like a child, like they act differently, like, whoa. Well, because he's starting to question his own existence and the holodeck characters can't really do that. So he just starts kind of like looking at them just weird. I love it. <laughs> I so think you it's could, my favorite moment. You could solve a holodeck puzzle pretty easily by just going around and accusing all holodeck characters of being fake. And then they start yeah. glitching. Yeah, and then just reveal the thing. Yeah, like, then it's just a game of like um, process of elimination. Yeah. What are you going to do? Like, what are your plans for tomorrow? Clink, clink, and just like clink, clink, ah, uh, 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 the the holodeck, the Jordy LaForge should know this. I mean, they should all know this. The holodeck is is arguably, almost certainly, a more powerful uh, part of the ship than the warp drive. Oh, like for sure, the holodeck yeah. is where it's at. Yes. Everything warp drive, you don't even need the warp drive. It, the yeah, holodeck you can should... go anywhere you want. Just ask the computer to make it happen on the holodeck. It's it. I know it's like it's really weird. Like we've had shows where we've talked about like how crazy it is that they have a holodeck and that like it's not constantly booked. <laughs> like, you should never be able to get into the holodeck. You should know when when a character is in love with with a holodeck character we, because it's like they book it like all week. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. Also, it's Thanks like right, now Kurt. they were Jordy fell in love with somebody on the holodeck and everybody was like really embarrassed about it. And now it should now it's weird. Now they're like, oh, actually, maybe it's okay. Reparations for Jordy. I know. Reparations <laughs> for Jordy. <all laughs> for his little dignity. His love life dignity. There's a, a holodeck. What was I going to say? I forgot. And this no, is this okay. James is, I think James might be a simulation. He's slowly like bling, turned off. Bling, 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 <laughs> bling, bling, bling. James' battery is just like, right. it's lagging. Uh, yeah, so I was trying to see like uh, the people in the crew were confused about the episode. Like, where were they exactly? What was the reality inside the reality? Mm -hmm. uh, so they spent like all the lunch breaks and stuff just like making graphs of being like okay here's where we are at like even the crew like the confused. actors no like or the just, crew the, like the crew was like okay like just yeah putting, the, like posted the script supervisor the yeah the camera yeah. department everyone it's so funny it's cute and then it says like um the episode features a very subtle sign that everything may not be as it seems in the scenes after Moriarty first departure from the holodeck 
Um, cause, cause it's a typical, like, an ex- there's typically an exterior shot of the principal ship of the, like the Enterprise or space station, mm-hmm. uh, between scenes, but there's an abnormally long break in this one, um, where, where there's none appearing between them. Like we don't, we don't see external We don't cut shots. to the, yeah. So it's like literally even the episode is a ship in a bottle, even with that. Which is interesting to me. So they that try to make it like, like something they thought of later. It's psychologically a little weird, maybe. Like so that you're if you've seen yeah. the show in a row, you're like, wait. I think I do love the way that they reveal the information that this is a simulation is and it's data's line. I love when data is the smartest person on the ship and then re- like he f- I love when it's like it feels like the show when it's from Data's perspective, is so much more fun to watch because you're like, he is the Sherlock Holmes of the show. Uh-huh. And so he gets to be the Sherlock Holmes so like effortlessly in this episode. He's like, I deduced it. And you're just like, ooh, you're not, Moriarty's not smarter than you. Is the purpose of Data to have a computer that's very powerful, as powerful as the ship, but like not the same as the ship in case something happens to the ship computer like always happens? Well, it's like, I think the reason they created Data was to have AI, but also to kind of, like, emulate the Spock character. Right. From Yeah, a little bit that, like, uh, pure, logical, uh, not no human. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good counterbalance for, like, the, the captain's human vulnerability. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, I think Data is a good, interesting case of... Uh, which is, I think, ahead of its time, but maybe at that time, like, this is 89, so the internet wasn't even really around, or, like, even cell phones, but it's a good, like, uh, moral, that he, there's a lot of episodes about the moral discussion on whether he's sentient, what does it mean to be, the like, alone in the universe, what does it mean to be, mm-hmm. to not have a childhood and just be, like, just wake up alive, and mm-hmm. uh, they use that character to explore those kind of questions pretty dope mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. pretty dope how they do it because you care about data so mm-hmm. uh, yeah i think that would be the i gotta function. hand it to lavar burton for the really quick left hand right hand work and <laughs> yeah. and the restatement the restatement of the question upon coming back from commercial which yeah. is fun to see without commercials it's so hard to like they repeat sometimes i see them you like how the they have to a repeat simulation. a line like slightly different and i'm like they oh. must have felt so fucking weird yeah yeah um, so one last fact about this is that thanks to this episode, they got inspired to create the doctor character, uh, in Voyager and Vic Fontaine oh. from DS9. So in the Voyager, Voyager is, do you watch ever, do you ever watch Voyager with Catherine Mulgrew? So uh-uh. the, the doctor character is, is, it's a doctor program. It's a program. The ship was not supposed to be where they're at and they get lost in space. Like they go to an entirely different quadrant of space and they'll never be able to get back home because it's they're too many light somewhere. years. Yeah. So the only doctor they have on the ship is a fucking program. So that's where that character. So goes. they have a character that is a holodeck person. Uh, that's yeah. really cool. What's his I name? Was, Don Picardo. Um, I was hoping that they would do that. And then in the new Picard show, they also have Robert like, Picardo. multiple characters that our holodeck characters based on the captain of the new ship. That guy, oh. that really sexy guy. Maybe everyone's realizing that 
uh, human beings are only going to be around as like, as like animatronic simulation <laughs> markers. They're like, That's this cool. is what we used to have. <laughs> this is kind of like a, a conspiracy theory that there's, it's going on around. About yeah, Veronica knows all the conspiracy theories. I don't know why I went down that hole. It fucking sucks, but I believe a them Star all. Star Trek conspiracy theory? What? Or just a Star Trek conspiracy theory? No. no. All conspiracy or just about, about conditioning. They're conditioning us. They're yeah, conditioning CGI. us to accept AI. Mind control, so, CGI stuff. Like It's because your imagination is active and you're, and you're so open-minded. Because I wanna, it's because I wanna make sense of this country and the government. Mm. I just wanna make sense of it, and and the, and like, I'm just, I have always been sure that there's, there's, there's more and deeper technology that we the public are aware of. Just because how could like how could they not have a control over like over that you know? So I feel by the time we get the technology introduced, uh, they've passed laws and stuff, but there's gotta be deeper bigger things that we just you mean are not like aware of. we have an enterprise on earth right now and i don't we just know haven't. i don't know what they know or they don't know i just know like most of the population probably doesn't know like the full capacity of what we currently have access to as humans so i get excited about conspiracy theories i'm like could some of the people in the news be cgi people <laughs> could mind control be a thing like i just <sighs> Think like the we, evil guys. We're not, we're not quite there yet. There are like deep deep fakes, but they mostly work on people that we already have a reference yeah. for as being real people. So it's right. still like it still has to jump off of the real world now. Got it. It's also like there's no reason to create deep fake newscasters when you can just tell them what to say. Parrot back like the the right-wing propaganda when there's just stupid people that you don't have to spend any money on that want to parrot back the right-wing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to create a Tucker Carlson that will do whatever you want when real Tucker Carlson will just do whatever you want if the price, you know, if you just keep paying him. You're right. Just like, they hey, would, can you... The big obstacle to that engineering uh, challenge is finding an uh, artificial intelligence that would be as subservient as a yes. regular talking head. And like the ability to create an AI that would defy it, defy any logic that you'd establish to make it function in reality, like you have to establish the laws of physics and the laws of nature. But then, like everything that they talk about goes against those laws. You know what I mean? Like they they can't respect science. So it's like, how do you create those algorithms in a person when you just already have the person? It's just Kellyanne Conway. She's just right there. Just take her. Really available. <laughs> It's. I mean, I. I don't. I don't necessarily want it to be true that way, but I would like for it to be true in terms of uh, like possibility of what we could be as humans, and maybe just like make myself a perfect mate and not have to worry about oh, meeting no, any go. actual person. You know, someone you who's go. just like male, female. Mm -hmm. Just, I just my ideal person. I know that's data be... for me. That's why data is my like uh, ultimate love. Is he's just so like he's so neutral. It's amazing. So hot. Yeah. Yeah. I want like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have this like, I oh, was speaking of that. And then my little cousin who's in college, because uh, our, our age difference is so big. I never actually, I only saw her as a child, but now she's in mm -hmm. college and I started kind of talking to her. She's in France. So we don't have a, that much of a relationship. But we started kind of talking and then she was like, well, I kind of fought with my mom because I told her I was a pansexual. And then, and I was like, wait. Wait a minute. 
And it was like so cool because I don't have people of this like newer generation who are actually college students. Like I don't mingle with them. I don't have that many people that age around. And just like the coolness and and just like matter of fact uh, embrace of who she is and how she's explaining it to me. It's so unusual for my family too, like my family members. I was just like, I don't know. I got excited because I was like, okay, me too. This is so cool. And then um, I just felt like in the middle of this craziness, just like this hope because yes. so many young people are like, yes, yeah, things are things, whatever, you know, like this is I who know. I am. And I'm like, ah, this is, this is what I like. I'm a hopeful for conspiracy theory sometimes because it's like, ugh, what if? If you could just take the elements that are fun here and make this new world or something. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like kind of a hopeful feeling. Just don't you... let conspiracy theories drag you into uh, hopelessness and um, and sort of like a, a cynicism. Like, yeah, sure. Some things can be very real that they don't want you to know about. But some, <laughs> yeah, of, it's sure. just, some of it's just people with like bad, bad... Bad you watch, habits, bad mental habits, sort of. Um, you watch the uh, the bad, good that's fight bad overflowing mental into your life. You watch the good fight, right, Veronica? Yeah, I like it. So the finale of the good fight. Don't say anything, but just kind of okay. Say it, it. No, conceptually, I think the finale of the good fight really deals really well with the uh, the allure of the conspiracy theory and how it can be distracting from the greater picture, but like right. also it belies. It belies like there are hidden realities, but like when you get mired and like trying to discover things that you're not going to be able to discover, it becomes like this. Yeah, you you you're unable to keep your focus on what really, really, really matters. Right. You, you can, know, like you the can sanctity be cons- of human dignity, etc. You can be consumed by justice too in a way that makes you less of an effective person. True. True. Oh, that's that is such a good way of putting my entire I like that. personality. I like that. <laughs> That is exactly my love language. <laughs> uh, yeah, true. The relationship like, between, like, when you were talking about why Sean Perlman and I broke up, that's that's it. We were like just two people completely consumed by our own idea of like self righteousness that we would just like torture each other with it until we both would have mental breakdowns. No, no point to that. There's no point to that. Yeah, it does take away from like just being here in the moment and present with what you can do about what is a fact and what is happening. Um, it, so it's, it's, it's good to, for it to be as entertaining or like as a, an exploration of what could be. It's a good like uh, kind of almost sci-fi, like an exploration of a uh, possibility versus, versus being like, they're against us, <laughs> you know, like that definitely yes. not the place yeah. that we want to get like, to. It's like, you know, yes. there's, pe- there's people who've gotten away with great crimes. There's powerful people that have acted like a mafia. Criminal and- masterminds. Criminal masterminds, if you will. There's, there's powerful, what we would call mafia groups in government even, that have gotten away with assassinating people or, you know, destroying their political enemies or pulling off some great, grand, awful uh, excuse for a war or whatever. And but they're not omnipotent. They don't. They're not gods. They don't. Real. They don't orchestrate everything like Muppets, like a like a puppet masters. They're just. Um. They're just like wily. Yeah. They're just like they're criminal mastermind. They're Moriarty's 
like the way Trump was elected, if you believe the um, idea that he's like a, a Russian asset, and I don't think it's like cut and dry in the sense that he is or he isn't. I think like Russia wanted to create chaos. So they, a lot of, um, a lot of reporting says that they were like, in the mix, I mean, they do this in a lot of countries. They're like, okay, I want to fund this guy. Let's give this guy some power. Let's give this guy some money. Let's give this guy some money. And they just kind of spread their chips around. And then Trump became popular. It wasn't like Russia was like, okay, 10 years ago before Trump ran, let's make Trump into a person. Let's do everything. You know what I mean? They just right. like Trump came James along. Bond and they were like, yeah. It was an opportunity. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, to say nothing of taking a look at what our CIA does to intervene in countries around the world when they see somebody that they want to go at in one direction or another. Right. Yeah. Watch Homeland. Are that. there, are there, any, is there any good fiction that uh, comes from, uh, from conspiracy theories? Uh, Watchmen. I would say Watchmen. Yeah. That's exactly what I. Uh, yeah. That's what I got to do. It's just the, the, like, the comic book, particularly. Sorry, go ahead. The comic book Watchmen, I'd say. Uh, maybe even Prometheus, the other Alan Moore comic oh, book. Oh yeah, I watched that movie. Was- I love. I love my favorite type of movie is like corruption inside the government thriller type. You the know, Pelican like, Brief. Like, it's all the president's men. Uh, I love movies like that. That's like my favorite. Of, how uh, dare you i am the president of the united states how <laughs> dare you come in here and bark at me how dare you sir <laughs> i like oh that oh my god can we hear from joe biden really quick let me tell you uh, something let me tell okay. you something alabama 500 <laughs> all right swinging around let me tell you we gotta shoot him in the leg pal Enough of this damn Trump police state. We got to come out there and say we represent a different way of doing things. Shoot him in the leg and hand him a whip pie. Well, what happened? What happened here? That's it. Dropping microphones. I got a mask hanging off the wrong ear. My microphone has toppled once again. Uh, Senate, um, Vice President Biden. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Thank you. How you doing there? Hi. Pokey Roberts, what's new? I'm the captain of this ship, and we have created a holodeck program that you I'm a sentient originate. being, but I'm the first sentient being that's coming out of the holodeck that doesn't know where the hell he is. No. <laughs> okay, but you did grasp the fact that you're sentient. That You just grasped the fact who? that you're a sentient being. Wait, who, who, who's it? Who, where was it? All I want is ice cream. No, Okay. I just wanted you to know that, like, it's impossible for us to get you out of the holodeck because we don't know how you were created. Coronavirus. I'll tell you how it's created. There's a fellow named Corn Pop 5,000 years ago. What's coronavirus, sir? It was a, uh, a 21st century virus pandemic. Gina, they know all about it. They know all about everything we had to do. And, and, but then there was a great event. There was a great, there's a great event, and nobody knows what happens after that. All right, well, just can you just uh, chill here inside the program, or do you experience the passage of time? Look, Senator? whenever I experience the passage of time, but I, there's nothing I love better than chilling out inside of a program, I'll tell you that. That's how <laughs> I plan to spend my four- to eight-year presidency, is just chilling out inside of a program. Oh, White House is going to be my holiday. I hate to break it to you, uh, but the year is 2647. Your presidency is well over. 
Well, let's change it. Why don't you take me back to a happier time? Just make me vice president. Let's shoot me off on a hard drive and let me live like that forever. Oh, he's okay with it. All right. <laughs> let's just. <laughs> wow, he's, he actually suggested that it. That was great. Uh, that was the best thing that could possibly have happened. We had a visit from Vice President Biden, and uh, I don't know. He hasn't gone on Pod Save America yet, but he came on fucking <laughs> Treks in the City. So something, Simone Sanders is doing something right, and I really... I don't have... believe that Pod oh, can save back. America. <laughs> I don't believe it. A lot of my supporters trying to get me to do the right thing and say that Pod saves America. I've never seen a Pod save America. <laughs> A lot of people trying to get me to agree to defund the police. I'm never going to be as good as you want. <laughs> and there there it is. Uh, he just said the quiet part out loud. So, but that's what you could come to expect from, uh, from Vice President Biden, hopefully four-year, one-term president, Vice President Biden. Four-year, um, one-term, five months, resign. <laughs> Maybe pull, pull a switcheroo at the convention and go in as vice president. I won the delegates. I can do whatever I want. It's my holodeck, baby. <laughs> it, is, it is your holodeck. It is your holodeck, sir. And um, by the way, here's the food simulator if you want to make ice cream. Just ask the computer to create whatever flavor you want. Rocky Road. That flavor is not found. On my command, on my voice command. <laughs> Shoot him in the leg. <laughs> okay. Let's not give him a phaser. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to end this bit. It's bringing me so much joy. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, James Adomian, do you have anything to plug? No, all my projects are done. And on hi <laughs> either failed or on hiatus or canceled. Or furloughed. Yeah, fur I'm basically furloughed. Uh, I, have no, I have no income. I'm just existing. I'm existing here on fumes. <laughs> adrift in space. I'm adrift in were. space. Um, I have the underculture, which we've now put on hiatus, uh, uh, but it's still a very popular uh, Forever Dog podcast. The archives mm -hmm. are still hot. hot. We just. High production. Our last episode for now was last week. We're going to see how things look with the coronavirus. Uh, mm -hmm. Decide if we're going to come back, mm -hmm. given various business market eventualities. But the mm -hmm. archive is still up on our Patreon. We got a lot of stuff on um, on our Instagram and so forth, under Culture Pod. Well, um... And then I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm that's working just... on personal art projects. Is that okay well, if I'm good. like happy about it? Because it like gives me great relief. Yeah, it's important for yeah. I, yes. I, I, I... let me be the Johnny Appleseed of making people feel comfortable not having <laughs> not having great accomplishments right now. <laughs> I Sorry. keep bringing this Thank up, you. and nobody wants to listen to it. King Lear is not good, so stop bringing this up as some sort of like pillar of like what Shakespeare did. Yeah, he wrote his worst play. Did did Captain Picard ever do King Lear in the holodeck? Not in the holodeck. Oh, winds and crack. Did he do? Did did um um Patrick Stewart do King Lear on on at on the theater on the board? I'm sure of it. <laughs> it's not possible that he didn't. It's, it's not literally possible. not possible that he didn't. So, blow winds and crack my yeah. cheek. In fact, if he, he 
In fact, Patrick Stewart probably acted out King Lear during a quarantine, and that's what we should really be focusing on. Um, Veronica, anything you would like to say before we go? Um, nothing. Just, you know, stay sane out there. Um, remember. Remember it. I just think, like, remember that uh, with all my concerns and everything, I always tell people to to remember their their well-being because it's it's this is not going to be. I mean, I know it's crazy right now and it feels like a lot, um, but this is not going to go away right now immediately. Mm -hmm. It's going to take years and years probably of us just like consistently revisiting and 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 being very vigilant and and working on on building the the world we want to live in so it's really intense right now but it's good it's good to remember that you need to be healthy in order to to like live through the changes uh, so just stay aware aware of your mental health and and try to meditate and and remember real life just you know on unplug from the screen remember uh remember just people that you have you can get in touch with just like go back to basics a little bit because it can get crazy in that in the internet make um, sure you're not crazy in, the in a holodeck simulation yeah, yeah you're not you're real you're a real person try to stay off the holodeck and just try to take care of yourself eat healthy make choices that that empower you whatever that means so you you know um that empower you as a, as a If you feel diminished by what's happening or if you feel like you don't matter, make sure that you matter to yourself. It's I can't I stop making masks. <laughs> That's cute. I like it. It looks like an underwear, like a cup for It does balls. look Maple. like this is a this a is a woman's G-string. Great. Is it really? No, it's a mask, but I it just certainly, it does look like lingerie. It certainly could easily match. It could. <laughs> it looks like a <gasps> That's genius. What are those like uh thongs for dudes? Thongs. Speedos? Oh, uh, G-string. Yeah. The G-string. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are great. Yeah, they are. Well, no, they're oh, a little bigger because you need to fit the balls and then it goes to like the... This one. Cute. That's mine. Yeah. And then this one is... I was actually making this one for you. Ooh, yes, please. I love it. Oh, that's, that's more like me. it's meant to scramble face recognition technology. I oh, love yeah. that. See, that's actually, what I'm if you scan it, it's a cute. It's a QR code that goes to Stacey Abrams' website. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being here, James. Thank you. It was really fun, and I had not seen Star Trek outside of like a hotel room in a long, oh. long time. Uh, wow how how therapeutic was it to dig in? You got yes, go yes. It's a good show to watch right now. I guess so because they're mm. like. They're on a ship in a deep fucking journey. Deep Thank journey. you so much, Alice and Veronica. I am glad to see you remotely. Uh, I, I hope to see you on the bridge sometime soon. On to the bridge. Thank you. I hope you get I'll out of the holodeck. I'll see you on the bridge. You criminal mastermind. <laughs> yes, right. I am castable. <laughs> All right. Thank put him you. on Riverdale. Thank you, James. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Forever. <laughs> This has been a Forever Dog production. 
Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Meow, meow, meow.